I'm Abby Holscher with Slayton Holscher Farm in San Angelo, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. We are once again locked, loaded, and ready to roll with another edition of Texas Ag Today. So why don't you jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, we've seen a lot of cattle sell this summer, but we've seen a lot of sheep and goats sell also. We had some really big runs at the big sheep and goat auctions here in the state, and they're slowing down as we near the end of the year. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. We've had plenty of negative things to say about the crop situation in the Texas High Plains this year. But there are producers with some good stories to tell. I'm James Hunt and you'll hear from one such farmer on Texas Ag Today. South Plains farmers are finally starting up the cotton harvest again after delays due to wet fields. I'm Tom Nicoletti. I'll have a report from West Texas on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. We have sold a lot of sheep and goats here in Texas this year with drought sending more animals to market than usual. Benny Cox runs the nation's largest sheep and goat market at Producers and Cargyle in San Angelo. Back in the summer, he was selling over 11,000 head a week in a two-day sale. But that has slowed down as we've moved into the fall. Yeah, we had a lot of bigger sales through the summer, but it's, it's back off now, which it's time. You know, around deer season, they, they generally back you know, back off and, and, or these numbers do because they, you know, these bigger properties where they take advantage of this deer, you know, leasing for deer hunting, most of those people try and get everything done so they can back off and and tend to those hunters for a month or so. So they'll come back where it rains or not. You know, they usually get their money before fall anyway. So anyway, it used to be a little more exaggerated than it is now, but these numbers have gotten down into that 4,000 range. Actually, three weeks in a row is a little over 4,000. It's 5,000 last week, but it's it looks pretty light. To, it, this week, we've got to get to 4,000 before we'll have more, you know. Cox says they've gotten enough rain in his area of Texas to get sheep and goat herds through the winter with a decent amount of browse for feed. Texas landowners will soon have another tool to aid in the control of the ever-growing feral hog population. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Commission has approved a proposal that allows aerial wildlife permit holders to use unmanned aerial vehicles or drones to track feral hogs at night to help hunters on the ground. 
Hunting exotics or any other type of wildlife from drones remains illegal at any time, as is drone-mounted weapons. Feral hogs have become such a bad problem here in Texas that a valid hunting license is no longer needed to hunt hogs on private property. Agriculture groups have written to the White House asking the administration to help prevent a possible rail worker strike that could be devastating for agriculture. National Cotton Council's Robbie Minnick says they also sent a letter to Congress asking for the same thing. That letter reminded the congressional leadership that a strike or lockout combined with the existing challenges in the rail system, at the ports, with trucking, and with record low water levels in the Mississippi River that's impacting numerous barge shipments would be catastrophic for the agricultural community and really the broader U.S. economy. The group say resolving the issue before November 19th is necessary to ensure uninterrupted rail service saying it could be critical for agricultural inputs like ammonia, which could be embargoed starting as early as next week. They say a rail strike would be catastrophic for not only agriculture, but the entire U.S. economy. There hasn't been much good news to report in Texas agriculture this year, but James Hunt did find one good story to tell. When it comes to the Texas High Plains crop situation here in 2022, a lot of what you hear is pretty gloomy. So, it's nice to get this upbeat assessment from Greg Glover. It turned out to be a fairly good year. We ended up losing most of our cotton because of the early on heat and just lack of rain. So, uh, we were able to just focus pretty much all of our water. James on our corn and Ford sorghum. So we just kind of bunched up our water where everything had a good gallons per minute, and that really helped this year. You could tell the difference that it did. So that made our yields where we focused pretty good. The corn Glover and his family grew in their western panhandle operation this year was turned into silage for local feed yards and dairies, and he says they got a pretty good price too. With this Lack of rain the last couple of years is feed demand. Um, there's not enough feed for the mouths to be fed right now. Maybe if it'll start raining, it'll catch back up. But until then, the forage market's pretty good. Either a silage or just a hay market is pretty high. And now a new season is underway with Glover hoping things turn out well for his wheat crop. You know, the price is good if we can get some winter moisture. I think we got enough that this wheat will survive through winter. You know, I mean, it'll make it through winter and come out of dormancy. And But it would be nice to, if we were able to, to get some snow or some rain. It would indeed. But overall, we got to hear some positive thoughts from Greg Glover on his family's crops. Tomorrow, we'll hear what he has to say about how things have been going on the cattle side of their operation. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Cotton harvest is picking up steam on the Texas Southern Plains. Tom Nicoletti checks in with Eddie Griffiths for an update. We go out to West Texas now where Eddie Griffiths is standing by with our report from the Lubbock area. And uh, Eddie, uh, farmers have uh, finally started harvesting their cotton in your region, uh, delayed by rain. So how is the uh, first stages of the cotton harvest going at this point? It looks like it's going pretty good, Tom. Like you mentioned, the moisture 
holding up guys just a little bit, but you know, it's just a day or two after we get some moisture, you'll you'll see machines back out in the field and harvesting. You're seeing more and more acres that have been defoliated. As far as what's gone through the classing office, you know, that's close to, I think, 5% of the crop that's been harvested. And it'll probably be amazing how quick you'll see that number go up because it will not take very long for this 2000 22 crop to come out of the field. Normally, the crop up there in uh, West Texas is uh, in the harvest uh, process through the end of November, past Thanksgiving into December. Definitely. For me personally, it's generally trying to uh, be finished before Christmas, and that's the case for other producers in the area also. If you've got pretty much every acre in cotton, sometimes it can take that long, especially when you're working between weather events. But this year, the producers are dragging out all the way until the month of December, close to Christmas. That means there's been a whole lot of weather because there's just not a whole lot of cotton to get out of the field. What does the quality look like at this point, do you think? Quality seems pretty decent on those irrigated acres. You know, we won't have any quality issue with dry land acres because there's simply not any dry land acres. So what you're going to see coming out of the field is primarily going to be probably pretty good irrigated acres and, and the quality should be good grades for those producers. And of course, all this is resulting from the uh, prolonged drought, uh, and that's why the crop is uh, shorter and uh, quality of the dryland crop, if there is any dryland crop whatsoever, is is diminished. Exactly. Yeah, if there is a dryland crop out there, I'm not quite sure where it's at. I mean, there may have been a, a spot or two where they were able to get a few acres of dry land, but for the most part, most of the dryland was eliminated and a lot of the irrigated just simply because of the drought. You know, where guys had decent irrigation and were able to keep up with it, which those spots are few and far between, that crop looks pretty good. And they're definitely getting out in the field, making the defoliation methods necessary to get that crop out of there so they can miss a lot of the weather because that'll just degrade the quality of that crop. Eddie, thanks for your report today. Thank you, Tom. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Texans will soon have another tool to help them control feral hogs. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. And managing livestock during a drought can be a real challenge. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Support comes from the Texas Tribune, a nonprofit news organization hosting a multi day complimentary event exploring the future of rural Texas, discussing what's next for education, broadband connection, health care, the rural economy, and more. November 17th through the 18th in Lubbock, on Texas Tech University's campus and streaming live online. More at texastribune.org slash events. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. 2022 gave us one of the worst droughts in recent memory. 
Dr. Bob Judd says managing livestock during drought can be a real challenge. Darren Redfern indicates at Drovers.com that there are three critical time periods that occur during a drought, and these are immediately before the drought, during the drought, and after. There is a six to nine month overlap between these stages, and if you know a drought is forecast, it's a good idea to try and reduce negative impacts that will occur during the drought. The goal of management during the drought should focus on long-term and short-term pasture recovery, and proper grazing management is important to aid in forage plant recovery. Overgrazing after a drought can affect productivity of a pasture for many years, so careful pasture management is needed. Drought rarely kills well-managed plants in the pasture unless other factors are involved like fire or overgrazing. Reduced forage yields are noted due to a lack of moisture, and the lack of moisture decreases root growth, preventing the plants from growing deeper and extracting deeper soil moisture and nutrients required for plant growth. Grazing practices after the drought determine the degree of plant damage that occurs. Overgrazing, coupled with severe removal of the top growth of the plants, also results in a shallow root system, and these shallow-rooted plants are not as drought-tolerant as plants with deeper roots. These shallow-rooted plants also produce less forage than the deeper-rooted plants. Sometimes these drought-stressed pastures are in better condition than they appear, and this is especially true for pastures that are well-managed prior to the drought. These stressed pastures just need rain and rest, as most will recover with time. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Texans will soon have another tool to help control wild hogs. Jessica Dommel has the story in today's Wildlife Report. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Commission has approved a proposal that would allow permit holders to use a drone to track feral hogs at night to help hunters on the ground. Stormy King, Assistant Commander for Wildlife Enforcement at the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, explained the proposal to the commission. The availability of both UAVs and thermal cameras to the general public has increased significantly over the last few years. The use of these products can be very effective in the control of feral hogs and the damage associated with their depredation particularly at night when they are most active. Current regulations prohibit any activity involving take under an aerial wildlife management permit from occurring at night, which is defined as between one half hour after sunset and one half hour before sunrise. The amendments proposed by staff would specifically allow the use of UAVs to locate feral hogs at night for take by gunners on the ground. The amendments would not allow the take from any drone-mounted weapon systems, nor would they apply to any other species. The department received input from a total of 65 individuals via online comment. 51% are in complete agreement with the proposal, while 37% completely disagree. 12% disagreed on a specific issue. Of the 65 respondents, 37 provided written comment. The most common comments in opposition, which were germane to the proposal, mentioned concerns that it would legalize the use of drone-mounted weapon systems and that it would increase the likelihood of overflight over others' property to hunt with drones. In reality, the proposal limits the use of UAVs to the location of feral hogs for take by gunners on the ground and explicitly prohibits any means of take from the UAV itself. The rule is expected to go into effect before the new year, barring any unforeseen circumstances. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel.
We saw a mixed close in cattle and cotton on Tuesday, but the grain markets took a drop. Look at all of Tuesday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau has served farm families in rural Texas for nearly 90 years. We're pleased to offer new affordable health care coverage choices for all Texans through Texas Farm Bureau Health Plans. You do not need to be a member to inquire and apply. Plans are available anytime. There is no open enrollment period. Our United Healthcare Choice Plus network of providers is one of the largest available. For more information about the different plans, how to apply, or to get a quote for you, your family, or your small business, visit tfbhealth.com. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The cattle complex traded mixed on Tuesday. We ended up closing mostly lower, the exception being the nearby contracts in both live and feeder cattle. December live cattle was unchanged, 153.05. February down 25 cents, 154.77, while April live cattle dropped 30 cents to close at 158.25. Same thing on the feeders. The nearby was higher, the rest of the contracts lower. November feeders up five cents, 178.27. January down two, 179.90, while March dropped 10 cents, 182.15. Cash fed cattle market still quiet on Tuesday, asking prices here in the South at 152 this week. Boxed beef prices higher on Tuesday. Choice was up a dollar twenty-one at two sixty-five seventy-six. Select up ninety-three cents, two thirty-six eighty-five. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Rodney Butler is our guest today. Rodney Butler, Beeville Livestock. How did your regular Friday sale turn out? Overall, we had a good market. I thought the lighter steer calves. And the lighter heifer calves might have been a little higher this week. Just thank the dear Lord for the rains. And the heavy calves sure were active. Good. How much rain did you get? We had anywhere from an inch to some places to inch and a half down here. Well, that's good. Walk the pins with us. All right. We had 448 head of cattle, two horses, and six goats. And that old market was active. You two to 300 pound steers were $1.26 to $1.50. Heifers, $1.20 to $1.40. 300, 400 pound steers, $1.36 to $1.82. Heifers, $1.25 to $1.55. Your 400, 500 pound steers, $1.40 to $1.83. Heifers, $1.34 to $1.58. Your 500, 600 pound steers, $1.38 to $1.66. Heifers, a dollar thirty-four to dollar eighty. Your six hundred seven hundred pound steers a dollar twenty-eight to dollar fifty. Heifers a dollar thirty to dollar forty-three. Seven hundred eight hundred pound steers were dollar thirty-five to dollar forty, and heifers were dollar twenty-nine to dollar thirty-one. The cow market was pretty strong, pretty steady Friday. They brought anywhere from thirty to seventy-one cents. Packer bulls brought from fifty to dollar three. Young stalker cows, we had a couple, few of those. They brought anywhere from sixty-nine to ninety-six cents. With some bread cows dollaring out around that 800. And our pairs we had Friday brought anywhere from 900 to 1250, sir. What are you anticipating for this next Friday? Uh, I know of several bunches of cattle coming again this week. I know of probably right at 100 calves. There'll be black, mostly black, black baldies coming from one man, steers and heifers. And then I know of several other little bunches coming Friday, sir. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you, Rodney. 
Yeah, if I can help you market your cattle, call me at 361-358-1727 or call me on my mobile, 645-5002. Thank you, son. Talk to you later. Thank you. Take care. Neighbor, that's our livestock auction market report for today. We'll see you next time right here as we walk the pens. I'm Larry Marble for Texas Ag Today. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now. We're lean hogs finished lower in Tuesday's trade. December hogs dropped a dollar forty-seven eighty-five fifty-seven. February hogs down fifty-five at eighty-eight fifty. Class three milk was mixed with November milk unchanged twenty ninety a hundredweight. The December contract up forty-three cents, same price twenty ninety a hundredweight. Had a mixed rate in the cotton market on Tuesday. Traders keeping an eye on what could be Hurricane Nicole expected to hit Palm Beach County, Florida, then move north up through Georgia and the Carolinas. And a big portion of the cotton crop in those states is susceptible to damage. Also, traders positioning themselves ahead of Wednesday morning's USDA World Agriculture Supply and Demand Report. The average trade guess for domestic production is 13.62 million bales. Ending stocks expected to be 2.73 million. That is down from last month's 2.8 million. We close with December cotton up 19 points, 87.68. March cotton was down 9 at 85.74. December down 21. 78.51 cents. The grain market's headed lower going into the USDA report. December corn dropped eight and a quarter, 667 and a half. March cotton down seven and three quarters, 673 and three quarters. Double digit losses in both hard and soft wheat in Tuesday's trade. December Kansas City wheat lost 11 and a half, 945 and three quarters. While December Chicago wheat was down 18 cents, 8.27 and three quarters. In the energy markets, December natural gas down 67 cents at 6.27. December crude oil down 2.51, 89.28 a barrel. The financial markets were higher Tuesday afternoon. The Dow up 340 points at 33,167. The Nasdaq up 53, 10,618 while the S&P was up 21 at 3,828. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. My name's Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A., Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts. Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.